Hey friends, Harrison here, and I cannot believe it's been a few years since we started this podcast. One of the things that we get asked about a ton is what training plan should I follow? And so we've decided to develop our own and get it into an app that you can download. So if you're looking for a plan that's interactive, that you can not only see which miles to run, but which strength exercises to do and watch videos and be able to have a checklist system that will literally walk you through the plan and help you keep track of your progress, we've got you covered. Go ahead and click on the link in the description to get started. You're going to have a seven-day free trial. Give it a shot. Let us know what you think, and good luck. Have fun out there, guys. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, we talk to Disney enthusiast April Tidd and learn all about her journey to the Dopey Challenge and the World Major Marathons. At the finish line, I'm at the finish line. If you're crazy enough to think you can change the world, you can change the Hey, welcome everyone to season two, episode 31 of the Marathon Training for Beginners podcast. Hello, everybody. What's going on? How's it going? Thanks for tuning in. The weather here in Arizona is officially runnable. Is that a word, runnable? I think it is. Uh, It's been so amazing outside. Seriously, the fall is, we were just talking about this on our drive home from date night. Fall is like our favorite time of year here in Arizona. Yeah, that this is when we thrive, friends. Okay, fall crumbs. That's who you need to meet. We're like the most optimistic people yes. you'll ever meet when it's fall time. <laughs> so yeah, our marathon training season has officially kicked off. The weather here, like I said, has just been so good. And we'll be doing the Gilbert Arizona Half Marathon November 20th and then Mesa Arizona Marathon in February. So how are you feeling, Mo? Oh, I'm excited. I'm I think I'm more excited because it's cooler weather. We we were running during the summer and it was it was it was pretty intense. But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited that it's cooling down and that we're really 
getting close to these races. So been good. Yeah, I'll bet speed work is going to start paying off here shortly. Yeah, I think so. Well, we should introduce today's guest. Let's do it. Her name is April with a Y, and Mm. she started running a few years ago. She's now on a quest to run the six world major marathons. Okay, that sounds pretty epic, but what exactly is that? So I could explain it to you, Mo, but (laughs) I think we should let her explain it. Um, She'll talk all about that in this interview, and she's going to tell us about how at one of the world major marathons, something went terribly wrong Mm. and how she bounced back from it. So, uh, oh, and she loves Disney too, by the way. Yes. She uh, lives close to Disney World down in Florida and has done some Disney races, which she'll talk all about. So super excited for this one. Someone of our kind. (laughs) That's right. Mo and I have been talking about maybe getting like some passes to go to Disneyland, which is close to us in California. It's like a five, six hour drive. Yeah. We just took our kids for the very first time. It was amazing. It's magical. I was expecting it to be a lot more exhausting than it was. It was exhausting. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Hey, that's the uh, marathon endurance in us. Oh, there you go. If you guys want to have a good time at Disneyland or Disney World, run marathons and then it'll be way more (laughs) enjoyable. It's true. And I even think I told Tyler, our coach, I was supposed to run like three miles that day. And I was like, yeah, I did three miles in the morning. Yeah, more than that walking around. So Okay, we we got sidetracked, but I am excited. I can't wait to hear it. So let's jump in. Let's do it. Here's April. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Super excited to be here with April Tid. April and I met on Instagram after I saw an awesome post that she made about her recent marathon, the Berlin Marathon, which as some of you might know, is one of the world majors. But before we jump into that, I want to let April introduce herself. April, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is April. April runs 26.2 on Instagram. As you mentioned, that's where we met. I have been running for a while now. My first marathon was in 2018. Um, 2017. Sorry, 2017 was my first marathon. Um, My first half was in 2016. So uh, a little over five years I've been running and doing the Instagram thing and just figuring it out. Yeah. Well, you've made a lot of progress in just a few years. So looking at your Instagram, 48.6. What is that? Is that a I don't even know what distance that is. Yeah, so 48.6 is the Dopey Challenge in Walt Disney World. So Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend held every January. It has four races, 5K on Thursday, 10K on Friday, half marathon on Saturday, full marathon on Sunday. And the Dopey Challenge 48.6 is all four together. So I did my first Dopey in 2017. That was my first marathon. And then I ran Dopey in 2020, and I'll go back for number three in 2022. It is by far my favorite run Disney event that Walt Disney World does and that Disney does. So I'm really excited that it is back live in person this year since we missed last year. But yeah, a lot of fun just to be in Disney and to be running all four distances and 
quite a feat as well. Yeah, that's incredible. So <laughs> let's talk about that for a second before we talk about anything else. So you've done that twice. You're going to do it again. I feel like you're just nonstop doing races and, and running, uh, obviously a huge passion of yours. But if you could tell us a little bit about like, how does that work? So by the time I would imagine you get to the marathon, you're probably just exhausted. How do you conserve your energy and make that happen? Yeah, it definitely takes some planning and some thought into like race strategy and what you do for the first couple of races. So my general strategy is to walk the 5k and the 10k, which usually means that it's about an hour for the 5k, about an hour 45 for the 10k. And then for the half, I usually will shoot for a 330 or 345 finish. So not quite walking, some jogging in there um, so that all of your energy is put towards the marathon. Um, it's really about getting to marathon day more than anything. Honestly, the hardest part of Dopey is the 2 a.m. wake up calls. You wake up at literally 2 or 2.30 a.m. four days in a row. <laughs> and so by day four, you're just kind of like, okay, one more. You just got to get up, get there, get to the start line. And the races are, they're just so much fun. The energy and the crowds are just incredible. And you have the character stops along the way. You're running through the theme parks. So there's a lot to look at and a lot, a lot to distract yourself from while you're like getting into the headspace of, oh, I have to do this for a fourth day. Um, but there is some planning that goes into it to just get yourself to marathon day because that's the big show. That is the day. The other races are just kind of the intro and the lead up. Yeah. So I've been to Disney World, I think one time. I've obviously been to Disneyland a lot more because I live in Arizona, which is yeah. it's closer in California. But what I know about Disneyland is it's pretty hilly. Like there's a lot of areas where you've got to go up and down hills. Is that how it is out in Florida? It's actually the opposite. Florida is flat as a pancake. So I have to drive pretty far to get any hills. So when I want to do like hill training or hill work for a hilly marathon, I drive about 45 minutes out to Claremont to get my hills in. So that's the nice thing about running in Walt Disney World is it is generally flat. There are a couple spaces where you go like over an overpass. So that's pretty steep, but you're on that for less than a quarter of a mile. So okay. that thankfully is really nice, especially when you look at something like Dopey where you're running the same, some of the same courses over and over again. They're at least flat and you know what to expect of them. Sure. Okay. So it makes sense. You do the dopey challenge because you live in Florida. How far away from Disney do you live? I am 10 minutes door to door oh. to Magic Kingdom. That's amazing. Do you have season yeah. passes? Um, yes, I do. <laughs> That's super cool. So tell me how you got into running. Like what started this passion for you? Yeah, I started back in college and I don't really remember when it turned into, oh, I'm going to run like more than just casually. I started training for my first half marathon um, with a couple friends and ran my first half in Detroit, Michigan. They do a marathon that runs over the Canadian border. So I ran the U.S. half marathon that keeps you on the U.S. side just really for fun. And then I actually came down to Florida to do a college program and work for Disney and found out about this dopey challenge. And I was like, oh, well, I have to do that. Like, I just was like, I have to do that. That's so cool to run that many miles in Walt Disney World. Like, it was such like a pixie dust concept and like a pipe dream. I was like, I just, I have to do that. So I set the goal for 
2017. And once I did that, I was hooked. I was hooked on Run Disney and hooked on the longer distances. My first marathon was not good. I didn't train for it. I didn't understand the distance. I didn't respect the distance of a marathon. And I just got out there. And the longest I had trained was like 13 miles. So when I got to the halfway point, I was like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to keep going. And so I did. I just like one foot in front of the other kept going, but I got to the end of it and I was like, I can do better than that. I know I can do better. I know I can put my mind to it and train for it. And so then I signed up for another marathon and it's just been this cycle of I can do better. I can be better. I can do better than that. So I just keep signing up for more races and (laughs) keep trying to improve. Yeah, that you're, you sound a lot like the way I was after my first. And there's the other half of people who say never again. I'm right. Never doing that again. <laughs> yep. So you're, you're one of those people that fall in that category of ultra motivated by like your own competition. You know? Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay. So you started with the Dopey Challenge that got you hooked. And then ever since, you've been doing all sorts of marathons all over the place, actually. So you've done, I'm looking at your Instagram, 30, 38 half marathons eight marathons, and then of course the two dopey challenges. So can you tell us about like your run progression and and some of the maybe improvements you've made along the way? Because you said that that first one was kind of a nightmare for you. Like how did you improve your your marathon? Was it, did you improve your time or you're just now running them more frequently or it was just a better experience? Yeah, kind of all of the above. Going into my second marathon training cycle, I just knew that I had to be better about training and actually commit to the longer training runs, the 15, 17, 18, 20 milers that kind of seem a little daunting, especially when you're a new marathoner and training for your first or second marathon. It seems really daunting to go out there and run for literally four hours on a Saturday, but I knew to be better than my first marathon, I had to put in that time. And so my second training cycle actually trained up to 22 miles. And that was the longest that I had run like solo in training because I didn't do it for my first marathon. And then ran my second marathon in San Antonio, Texas at Rock and Roll San Antonio. And it was phenomenal. I loved that course. I love that city. And PR by 45 minutes because wow. I had put in the work and put in the the training time. I spent the solo time, you know, figuring it out. But even then, I knew that there were there was still room for improvement and there were still things that I could do better. And so I started doing a lot of just research online to figure out like fueling and what you should eat during a marathon because my fueling was, you know, non-existent at that point. I would eat I would take literal can like candy from strangers on the course because I was like oh I'm hungry like let me grab whatever is near me (laughs) yeah but that's not really a great strategy for fueling during a marathon because you can never really rely on what the course is going to have yeah um to be the same as you know what you're in you're working with in training so I did a lot of research around that to you know move forward and then eventually I got a running coach who has helped me tremendously and has really pushed me to do concentrated speed work to start working on 
the speed and more consistent running. And that has been really the game changer, just having somebody else hold me accountable to my training and the improvements that I want to make. Because it's one thing to say, oh, I want to run a sub six marathon. I want to run a sub five marathon. But if there's no action behind that, it's not going to happen. You run the race that you trained for. I really strongly believe that having gone through so many training cycles. So having that person, that extra person to hold me accountable to what I've said I'm going to do has been an absolute game changer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One thing that I'm really curious about is your recovery process. So, you know, it sounds like you're doing races at least every other month or so, right? Or how often are you doing races? Yeah. So pre-COVID, the pandemic stuff has shifted things a little bit. Pre-COVID, I would run a half about every month, maybe once every two months. But I usually would use them in conjunction with a marathon training cycle. So if I have an 18 mile mile training run, I'm going to go run 13 of that in like a local half marathon and I'll run five miles before or five miles after to then make up that 18. Having the like race aspect is really nice because it helps prepare you for what you'll actually do on race day, which is be around, you know, thousands of other people, hundreds of other people. And it's just nice to get you through some of those longer runs to have the atmosphere and have the like supported course that where you're not like trying to, you know, come up with your own water stops and your own fuel. Like it's just there for you. So in this like pandemic covid world, the races are less frequent. This turnaround from Berlin to Boston is the quickest that I've ever run marathons back to back like this. Um, and my fastest turnaround time of races since like the pandemic started. Um, but the nice thing about living in Orlando is we have a lot of local races that I can go to. We have a lot of smaller races, um, a lot of 5Ks, a lot of 10Ks. And so those are easy just to like tack on to longer training runs. So it's all kind of, it all works together in conjunction with like the larger marathon training cycle. That's really smart. And I bet it makes those 18 mile long runs uh, a lot more enjoyable. It does. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. So as far as recovery, do you do anything special to make sure that you recover after a marathon or after a half marathon? So my go-to, and you'll hear a lot of you know, runners say this, it's a love-hate relationship, but I absolutely love ice baths to really get my legs like moving, especially when I'm doing long runs or half marathons close together. This past training cycle that I did for Berlin and Boston, I did three weeks of build time. So I did 15 miles, 16 miles, 17 miles, three weeks in a row. And then I would do a cutback week or a shorter week. So I would do 15, 16, 17, and then maybe 10 miles. So to get that quick turnaround time and to get my legs like still moving, I love an ice bath. I will do like hot baths with Epsom salt too, as more of like a relaxing kind of thing. Um, And the dreaded foam rolling I love the Peloton platform for foam rolling because it gives guided classes and tells me what to do so that it's actually effective. And then just your general like getting off of your feet and hydrating and making sure that you're eating right in between your runs and your races. Sure. No, that all sounds really straightforward and uh, sounds like it's worked really well for you. 
I, I want to talk a little bit about the world major marathons, and I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Can you explain to the listeners what that means, a world major, and kind of what makes up those different races? Yes. So the world major marathons, there are currently six. It's um, done by this organization called Abbott. Um, you can look them up on Instagram and on the internet. It's the Abbott World Major Marathons. How do you spell um, that? It's A-B-B-O-T-T. Got it. Thank you. Yep. Um, so there are, like I said, there are currently six. Um, domestically, it's Chicago, Boston, and New York City. And internationally, it's London, Berlin, and Tokyo. Um, they're talking about adding a seventh um, way down the line. The potential for that, um, I think, is 2025. So we may we may go from six to seven, um, but they are called the World Major Marathons by Abbott. And if you complete all six of them at any point in your life, there is no time limit on this. You could have run your first one 20 years ago and finished your sixth one, you would still be called a six-star finisher. So every major every major that you run, you collect a star on your Abbott profile. And when you're done with them, you have six stars. So you're a six-star finisher. Um, and you get a special medal that has all of the cities on it. And it's a really big deal um, in the running community to be a six-star finisher um, when you consider in the world, there are less than less than 1% of the population has done a single marathon. So when you think about then to complete six of them and six of them around the world, there are some really cool stats out there about the world majors and the different like people that have completed them. There are less than 400 females in the world that have completed it before they turned 30. So like, those are the cool kind of stats that like blow my mind yeah. um, that kind of give you an idea of how few people have done this. So that's what I'm currently running after. I'm currently chasing the six stars. I would like to do it before I turn 30. I turn 30 in November of 2023. So the timeline is a little condensed. The pandemic didn't help that at all. Sure. But yeah, those are the, the world majors. That's super exciting. So you get the, the special medal and I, the question that comes to my mind is how you get into all six, right? Because I know Boston's super hard to get into, New York. I mean, all of them really to, to even get a place at any of these marathons. So do you have any advice for people listening who might want to explore that path and how they could get into these races? Yeah. So, I mean, that is the thing about the world majors is they're really considered to be some of the most like coveted iconic marathons in the world. That's why they're called the majors. Um, and the six star journey has you know only increased the difficulty to get into these races. So they all have lotteries, um, except for Boston. The other five have lotteries that you can enter. Um, the Chicago lottery is by far the easiest one to get into. That's how I got my place in Chicago um, that I will run in probably 22 or 23. It's just through the lottery. Um, I got my Boston bib through a charity and fundraising. And if you're not quick enough to Boston qualify, that is your only route to get into Boston is to do um, a charity bib. My experience has been great with the charity that I've been working with. They've been really, really helpful and really preparing me for the weekend. So I highly recommend that. And then your other races, 
Um, you can either do charity if you can't get in through the lottery or the international races, you can do a tour provider. That's how I got my Berlin bib was I did a tour provider. So they set up the hotel, they have guaranteed entry and it was really nice. It was a really, really great experience because especially in COVID because they really did everything. All I had to do was book a plane ticket and get on the plane and get myself to Germany. And once I was there, everything was taken care of. So if you're looking at the international majors, I highly recommend a tour operator. It's a little more expensive than if you were to like plan a trip on your own, but the experience that you're going to get and the support that you're going to get is unmatched. It was incredible. So you have a couple of different options for getting into these races. They are the most, like I said, the most coveted in the world. So it is a little challenging and a lot of people fighting for bibs, but it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Sounds like it is. That's something that I would love to do. So yeah. appreciate that advice. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with Berlin? I don't want to blow it, uh, what happened, but I it really touched my heart. And I thought that it would touch a lot of others' um, hearts as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we talk a lot about training for a marathon, finishing marathons, but we don't talk about not finishing marathons very often. So can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We do talk a lot about training for a marathon and the experience of finishing a marathon, which is absolutely unmatched. But we don't talk about the more vulnerable side of what happens when you don't make it to the finish line. And this is actually, spoiler alert, the second time I didn't make it to a finish line. So I had the experience before, but this was the first time I had come so close and had this happen. So the Berlin Marathon was two Sundays ago. And the weather in Berlin was not super. It was a little warmer than we would have liked. It was sitting at about 70 or 72 degrees. And I started in the last wave because um, I'm not a fast runner. So I started kind of in the back, which normally would be fine. I just go out and I do my thing and just, you know, keep moving forward and it's fine. And so the race started and it was absolutely surreal to be there and to be running a world major and to be running in Berlin. The Berlin course goes past every iconic spot in Berlin. It's a really, really pretty course. It's really flat. And so we got out on the course and I started out, I had my pacing strategy. I knew what I wanted to do because I was going for a PR that day and everything really felt fine. I was moving, I was grooving, it was fine until about mile 11 when out of nowhere, this fatigue just hit me like a brick wall. Like you talk about the wall in a marathon that you have to get through. Mine came at mile 11 of this race. And that's really early in a race to hit the wall where you're like, oh, I don't know if I can keep going. Cause at yeah. that point I had another 15 miles. And so I slowed to a walk and just kind of like tried to collect myself and figure out how I could keep going. Cause I came all the way to Germany, this world major marathon that's very hard to get into. I was like, you didn't come, you didn't come this far to only come this far. So I like gave myself a pep talk and I just kept walking and tried to pick up my pace. I remember I actually posted on Instagram at kilometer 23, you know, just to update everybody and just say, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm still moving forward. I'm just like trying to really enjoy Berlin and enjoy the sights of the course and take in the crowd and just enjoy it. I knew there was a time limit on the race. I, I didn't realize how 
strict they were on the time limit because a lot of races, even if you're over their official time limit, you're allowed to move to the sidewalk and keep going. You can still cross the finish line and get your medal. That's not the case in Berlin, unfortunately. So I was moving along. I connected with this runner on the course who also happened to be from Florida and we were chatting. It was her first marathon and she had her coach on a scooter next to her, giving her water and whatever she needed. And at maybe mile 18 around there, um, he came up and he said, okay, ladies, you have to pick it up. The bus is behind you. And I remember at that point, I was like, the bus, what are you, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't understand. I like in my mind, I didn't think there was an actual sweeper bus, but there was. And so I asked him, I was like, how far behind him, like how far behind us is the bus? And he said about half a kilometer, um, which is not that far. That's about a quarter of a mile, a little bit over a quarter of a mile. So I was like, okay, you got to pick it up, got to pick it up. So I tried to pick it up for a little bit, but at that point, the fatigue had really hit me. I had been walking for a long time at a pretty steady pace. So I just, I did my best to pick it up, but eventually the bus caught up with me. And that was about mile 23 that the bus fully overtook and passed me. And the bus driver didn't say anything. He just said, oh, like, please move to the sidewalk, but you can keep going. I said, okay, that's fine. I have no qualms with being the last runner on a course. Placing last, I, I don't care. It doesn't hurt my pride or ego. Um, to me, the, the goal is always just to finish. So I had come that far. I was at mile 23 of the marathon. I was going to finish no matter how yeah, long it took. Yeah. And so I kept going. And my friend who had traveled with the same group that I was with found me and started walking with me. And we came to the realization that really we were some of the last people on the course but just kept going and saw our tour group leaders at kilometer 40, just after kilometer 40. And at that point, I knew the finish line was right around the corner. Like there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to go. I was going to cross this finish line. Um, It didn't even occur to me that I would be cut off before I got there because if they were going to cut me off the course, why didn't they do it at mile 23 when the bus passed me? So in my mind, I was always going to cross this finish line. The finish line of the Berlin Marathon is really iconic because you make a left and there's the Brandenburg Gate. It's right in front of you. You can see the finish line. You have about a quarter mile to go when you turn the corner and you can see the gate. It's this really, really iconic finish that I was really excited about. Well, when we turned the corner, there were buses in front of the gate. Um, Mm. And I watched a runner in front of us who was probably 500 feet in front of us, the um, course director guy um, pointed him to this bus. And it was then that I realized that, no, they weren't going to let us go through the gate and cross the finish line. And we were over the time by probably 20 minutes. So I knew that that was a possibility. I just didn't want to accept it at the time because they had let me get that far. So why wouldn't I be allowed to cross the finish line? So um we, we keep going and we get to this guy and he asks, you know, if we speak English because we're in Germany and we say yes. And he says, the finish line is closed. You have to get on this bus. And like, that's when it became really real that, no, I had come 26 miles and I wasn't going to be allowed to cross this finish line. And it was really, really heartbreaking. It was really devastating to come that far and realize that 
what I had done on the course wasn't good enough to get me across the finish line. Um, it was good enough to get me 26 miles, but not to the second star for the world majors and not across the finish line. And there, there was nothing that I could do about it. It, it was what it was. And the spectators around us started booing. Um, they were all really upset for us. So that was really nice. Um, and they were kind of yelling that we should just go around the bus, go around the bus. But I'm a rule follower and somebody is telling me I'm not allowed to. So I got on the bus <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, continued on and took the DNF. And so I had asked my my friend that I was with to let our tour leaders know what had happened because they do a get together afterwards at a bar that's by our hotel. And I just was like, Hey, can you let, can you just like let them know what happened? And just like, I need a minute. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the bar. She was like, yeah, but like, please like come out. Like you still went 26 miles. You ran this entire course. You ran a marathon today. Really, really encouraging. Um, and so I went back to the hotel and ran into one of our trip leaders on my way to, um, my room and she gave me a hug and she was like, we heard what happened. We're heartbroken for you. You know, it's not fair. We feel the same way. Like you finished that marathon. And then she said, you know, we might have a medal for you if you want it. No pressure. Like we understand that you might not want it because you didn't cross the finish line, but if you'd like it, we have it for you. And I said, yeah, I do. I do want that medal because I do feel really cheated by what happened on the course. And she said, okay, like go and take a shower, eat, come to the bar. Like we'll be there whenever you're ready to come down. So I took about an hour to myself and like had my good cry about it because it was heartbreaking to not finish a marathon, especially after having a pretty good training cycle for it. And knowing that I, my goal was to PR that day. Um, it was hard. And then took myself down to the bar because at that point I was like, well, you're still in this beautiful city. You're still in Berlin. You should go spend time with people who care and people who understand what you've gone through. Um, so I went down to this bar and had a drink and the, the trip leaders came over and put a medal around my neck and said, you absolutely earned this and you should you know, relish in everything that it is because even though you didn't cross the finish line, you earned this, you ran that entire course. And they said a lot of other really nice things and it was just really nice and really heartfelt and I could tell that they meant it and it wasn't just like, oh, give her a medal because she tried. It was, no, you ran 26 miles today. You deserve a medal and you deserved to be able to cross that finish line. So it was really nice to be with people who understood and who cared at the end of the day. And then we had a great time. We all celebrated. Um, there were a lot of other people who crossed the finish line um, with that group too. So yeah, it was a whole experience that I will never, ever forget, especially now that I will go back to Berlin to earn that star and have my moment under the Brandenburg Gate. So kind of long-winded, but that's <laughs> no, my that's Berlin 2021. <laughs> yeah. I just love how quick you bounce back. It only took you an hour to get showered and, and cry about it. And then you're, you're good. You're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and enjoy this, this country while I'm here. I don't know that I would have had such a positive ad attitude so quickly. So, but that's really cool to hear that you want to go back and you want to tackle it again. And I, I think that's admirable. I think it's so great too that you got the medal and that you 
you know, that you've completed, you've kind of made the check mark. Would you say that the that the next stop in Germany is kind of more just just for yourself to to prove that you know, I I don't know, let me ask you like why why do you want to go back and do it again? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of twofold because I still have this goal and this dream of being a six-star finisher. And because I didn't cross the finish line in Berlin, I don't get the star um, for being there this year. So I need the star to be to be able to be a six-star finisher. But it's also, uh, again, we talked about it earlier, but I know that I can be better. And I know that that course bested me this time and it, it won't next time I want to go back and I, I want to run the course again. It's a beautiful course. So I, I'm actually excited that I get to go back and do it again because um, I probably wouldn't have gone back had I actually clocked the star this time. Yeah. But it's, it's just, a, it's about going back and being better than I was and, you know, proving to myself that, yeah, you can do this. You can do hard things and you can go back to a place that maybe once was, not so fun and broke your heart and make new memories and cross the finish line and have your moment under the Brandenburg gate. Oh, I love that. And you, you used an acronym a little bit earlier. You said DNF and I just want everyone listening who might not know what that means. So marathon world just means did not finish. Yes. Um, so super uh, inspiring story and, and, and glad to hear that you're going to be tackling that again. And, uh, you know, I know it's getting close to the time we got to cut this off because you're in the middle of packing for something really exciting. So do you want to share what that is? Yes. Um, I think I briefly mentioned it earlier, but I am in the middle of packing to travel to Boston tomorrow. I will run the Boston Marathon on Monday. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm a little nervous because the course cutoff time in Boston is stricter than it was in Berlin. So coming off of Berlin and knowing that Berlin was not my day. Um, it's a little nerve wracking going into a race that um, has a faster time limit. But really, Berlin is just my fuel because I, I know I should have been better in Berlin and I know I can be better. And the circumstances are very different for Boston. So yeah. I'm really, really excited. And I know we're right about at time. But it's a big weekend for marathoning too. So yeah, and I'll tell you one thing: I, I've lived in Boston, and it's uh, you're not going to run into a hot day in uh, <laughs> in October. Well, you might; it might be like seventy degrees, but I, I don't think it's going to be like what it was in Berlin. Yeah, I've checked the forecast about a thousand times. If you follow my Instagram, I post it daily, just you know, <laughs> in case people were curious about my daily weather checks. Um, it's currently sitting about a, a high of seventy for race day goes back and forth on whether it's going to rain. So we'll see. But I think about 70 is what it's going to sit at, which at this point, I mean, there's nothing that I can do about the weather. And so I'm just reminding myself that I have trained through a Florida summer of 90 degrees at six in the morning. So 70 degrees at 11 a.m. I'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be you'll be fine. And yeah. I've heard amazing things about that race. And I'm really excited to hear more about it. April, thank you so much for for joining. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here and to share your story and to be vulnerable to talk about something that I think a lot of people would sweep under the rug and and try to hide from the world. What I loved so much is that you wanted to share it with everybody. And I know that a lot of people will appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share. Like I said earlier, I do think it's important that we 
are vulnerable when we share these things because I think that it's the best way to learn from them and to move forward and to be the better version of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So if listeners want to connect with you, um, can they do that on Instagram or what's the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram. Um, It's April with a Y, A-P-R-Y-L runs 26.2. Easy enough. Yep. All right, everybody go follow April runs 26.2, just like I did. And uh, you won't be disappointed. And we're excited to see the the remaining, I guess, four or five-ish stars at this point. Five-ish, yes. Five-ish is is a great way to describe it. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Well, thanks again, April. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this running journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify, searching B-R-E-K-K. Bye.